0: Where to, where to begin, Andrea? Where to begin? My journey, I will say, with my Latinidad, my Spanish heritage, started when I was in college. I went to Boston University. In my junior year, I went abroad and lived in Sevilla, Spain, where I completely sort of lost myself in the culture and the language. I had been up to that point uh, an A.B. Spanish student, but nothing special definitely had no real sort of connection to my heritage. And all of a sudden after going over there and living with a family, it just sort of opened up that whole part of who I am, and who I've since become, and that sort of set me on my journey. And when I came back from living in Spain, after just a semester it was only six months. I was dedicated to making sure I was completely fluent in the language, I ended up getting a minor in Spanish, I joined Latinos Unidos, you know, the group within Boston University, I was playing my guitar at the Spanish house, on and on and on it went, and then ultimately I married that with my love of communications.
1: What was it even before you went to Spain and discovered this Latinidad and leaned Mm -hmm. into it? Yeah, yeah. What was it like before that? You knew you had this background, right? Why yeah. didn't you ever kind of d- try to discover it a little more?
0: You know, we grew up in a traditional American household for lack of a better uh, description. I am a uh, Jewish on my mom's side. I am what's called Sephardic, which is, we'll talk about that, you know, Spanish Jew on my dad's side, Ashkenazi. I never, I never really made a distinction between those two things. I was just, you know, a Jewish, frankly, white boy who grew up in suburban New Jersey, and that was about it. And I was never particularly religious or leaning into that side of who I was. My grandmother spoke a little Spanish to me, but again, never really fully understood what it was all about until I went and lived in in the south of Spain, Andalusia, as you probably know. You know, it's very diverse down there and there's a lot of mixing of cultures and a lot of the Sephardic Jews, you know, come from there as well as, you know, uh, Granada, Cordoba, a little bit further north in Toledo, Segovia. So I just started going, wait a minute, I'm actually Spanish on my mom's side. Let Let me find out more about this. And of course, when you're living there, you wanna fit in and you wanna be a part of the culture and it just like sort of clicked on in me. Let me find out more about this.
1: 1492, the Alhambra Decree, also known as the Edict of Expulsion, was issued by the Catholic monarchs of Spain. It ordered the expulsion of practicing Jews from the crowns of Castile and Aragon and its territories and possessions. They wanted to eliminate the influence of practicing Jews on Spain's population and ensure that future generations didn't practice it as well. Because of religious persecution that followed the edict, a total of over 200,000 Jews converted to Catholicism to remain in Spain, and between 40,000 and 100,000 remained Jewish and suffered expulsion. These people migrated from Spain to Italy, Greece, and the Mediterranean Basin, and you can tell by the Jewish last names that begin to show up in Italy and Greece, like Faragi, Farag, and Farachi, which originated from the Spanish city of Faraga. An unknown number of those expelled eventually started missing their formerly Jewish relatives and converted to Catholicism in order to be allowed to return to Spain. Many didn't return, like David Chatel's family. David is the CEO and founder of NGL Collective, meaning new generation Latinos. NGL connects advertisers and new generation Latinx through video across platform, in language, and culture, and in context. They're also the people who bring Hispanicize to life every year, one of our favorite events that brings together Latinx from all over in a large summit and celebrates our Latinidad. I met David because I've been a long fan of NGL's work, and you might remember hearing about it on episodes 9 and 10 of Latinx with Joe Bernard, NGL's CRO. A conversation with David was long overdue. And on today's episode, David and I will talk about his journey to regaining his Spanish citizenship, how following his passion was the best thing he could have done in life, trusting vision over visibility and more. Hola, yo soy Andrea Marquez, and this is Latinx, a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. This season, we want to focus on empowering you to follow your passion And be smart about chasing your dreams while speaking to Latinx from all over. De diferentes colores y sabores. Thank you for all of your support. Our community keeps growing. So make sure to join Latinx on Instagram. You can also find out more on our website at wearelatinx.com. I recently had a conversation about what does culture mean? And I think this is a great example of that because I feel like you need to be embraced by like the the cultura that is happening before you actually realize, hey, being Spanish, having this heritage means something beyond just a language, means something beyond just saying that you're Spanish or a different passport or anything like that. There's music, there's food, there's the way people feel, the way people emote, there's just too, too many things and history behind it. And so, you recently were able to gain your Spanish citizenship, right? And you traced your Jewish roots, you went through that whole process, what was it and why now?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, we all know about this thing called the Inquisition, Uh, it's been well documented. And that was the whole, you know, 1492, leave, convert, or die, as Sephardics and many others were were told. And so my, you know, ancestors left, and they went to places like Greece and Turkey and places like that. So really, my my, my Spanish culture is infused with all of those other things as well. My grandmother also spoke a language called Ladino, L-A-D-I-N-O. Tomó la valichica,
1: que era pronta, y se fue
0: caminando al hospital, que no era muy lejos, era...
1: um, So this is a little bit of what Ladino sounds like. It's very similar to Spanish and if you speak Spanish, you can probably understand most things
0: it's a whole other dialect it's almost like yiddish plus spanish if you can imagine and so spain in the last i don't know it's been definitely the last five to ten years they said wait a minute that was wrong (laughs) let's try and and give uh you know people a chance to come back and reclaim what was taken from them unjustifiably lo and behold it just you know popped up on my radar i was like you know what i think i'm gonna do this um had nothing to do with political anything or you know exit strategies. Some people have asked me that. It was more like, okay, as I you now have heard the story, it was this awakening so many years ago, Then it's everything I've ever done professionally. I I have a bilingual, bicultural household, which is just as Latino as it is Jewish. And I said, this just sort of will really mean a lot to me, to my family. Also, in honor, my mom passed away in 2003. So it's sort of in her honor too, and in my grandmother's honor, who was so proud of the fact that I went and lived in Spain. And it's kind of nifty to have an EU passport or so I'm told. This is not a denouncement of my US citizenship. I'll be a dual citizen. And then the last thing is, look, I have two boys, 16 and 13. So what was super cool, because they're under 18, through me, I was able to actually apply for them. So it's not only me, it's me and both of my boys have this Spanish citizenship or EU now passport. And there's a lot of benefits to it, but mostly it was just, you know, for personal reasons and to sort of legitimize, for lack of a better description, who I am, what I'm all about, who I've become, my life's work. In
1: 2015, Spain's Congress approved a law granting Spanish nationality to people with a Spanish Sephardic origin who have a particular connection to Spain. The new law intended to confer citizenship to anyone whose Sephardic origins can be certified and somehow attached to Spain. This was a historic development because, as David mentioned, under the previous law, the Spanish government had discretionary powers to award nationality to people with a Sephardic origin, but candidates had to give up their current citizenship and had to be residents of Spain. The new law abolished these requirements, paving the way for thousands of people to become dual citizens of Spain. Those who obtained a Spanish passport would be able to live or work anywhere in the European Union and apply for citizenship for immediate family members. Which comes with many positives, like David said. With an EU passport, you can work and reside legally in any of the EU member countries, you have access to their healthcare benefits, you hold the right to vote and hold public service positions, and you have fast tracking through customs. You can also own property and a lot more. So the nationality law remained in effect only for a period of three years, and you had to meet a series of requirements, like applicants had to certify their Sephardic background and demonstrate a link to Spain by submitting particular documents like birth certificates, marriage certificates, or something similar. And applicants, like David said, had to pass a basic Spanish language exam and pass a test that demonstrated a basic knowledge of the country's society and culture. The nationality law affected an estimated 3.5 million people around the world, and about 132,000 applied. Of those, 6,200 were granted Spanish citizenship. So not a lot if you think about it and consider the hundreds of thousands of people who were expelled in 1492
0: due to the Alhambra Decree. We, We still have very strong ties to Spain we go back every couple of years. I I had lived with a family when I lived in Seville, the same family that my brother that went and lived with. And they've met all of my girlfriends. Now my wife, my, my parents, and there's just a lot of strong connect. There's a very strong connection to Spain and people there.
1: So it wasn't really something that came out of left field for you or your family. Like what, why are you randomly deciding to do that now, dad? It was very organic
0: it was organic and also i should say there was a time limitation on it too that they only let so many people do it and the window is closing and I, looking back now too i was going to try to do it on my own i got a uh, a lawyer in barcelona a law firm that specializes in this to help me had i not done that i mean the amount of you know stumbles along the way to get this was just unbelievable even with their help all these little nuances that we had to go through Um, and it took, you know, almost, I'd say about, we're going up on five years to get it done. So, and then COVID hit that obviously slowed it down too, for sure.
1: That's amazing. And is, is there anything that surprised you through this journey? Did you learn anything new?
0: (laughs) Well, you have to take a lot of tests. I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, if it was just language and reading and writing and speaking, No problem, but we really have to dig into the history of Spain and the way government works and all of the kings and queens and local things. You know, it was just like a really, really arduous process I had to go through. Ultimately, I want to say it's like 25 questions, but it's out of like a total of 250 and you have to get at least like, I don't know, 15 to 20 of them right to pass. So little secret, I failed the first time. And then I was like, okay, I really need to study for this, you know, in a very serious way. And I I was able to pass the second time. And then, like I said, the language, reading, writing, all that was, that was no problem. So I learned a lot about history of Spain and and all that. Do not quiz me, of course, now, Andrea. I know, you know, I know you read a lot. I know you read a lot. All right. I follow you on Instagram. (laughs) look that was incredible and then just you know look the whole process you know was really really cool I mean all these different layers you had to go through and I had to trace my lineage back and I'm sending photographs and you know documentation from Sephardic cemeteries you know proving that's my mom's you know heritage and then my mom's birth certificate and death certificates and It was just unbelievable. I had to get an FBI check. Imagine that. They didn't trust me. They thought I could be a criminal.
1: I'm going through something somewhere with my dad. He's trying to get the US citizenship and he also has Uh to take the test. And he has like a little booklet that he printed out. Obviously Mm -hmm. he has to go through all of the background checks to even get to the point of being able to like take the test. It's so interesting because when he was like, I have to study, I was like, you can't name one US president, you can't name one <laughs> senator, like one uh, congressman, come on. And he's like, it's cause it's, they might not ask me that. And he's like, you get all of these questions and they'll yeah, just arbitrary. ask you like 10. And so exactly. you, you better know on. those 10.
0: <laughs> yeah, funny. tell your dad, I'm sure there's an app for that, as they like to say. I got an app and then I just went through it. I was just, you know, grilling myself on it.
1: dual citizenship, the Mexican and American one. Well Uh American because I was born here, Mexican because of my mother. Mm -hmm. I have the passport. I love it because I go to Mexico all the time and I love the fact that I just the fact that I can take another line when I enter the country. Or, Or use it
0: no matter what. Yeah.
1: I use it. I use it all the time. For a brief moment, I didn't have the American passport because I was getting it renewed and had the Mexican one. And huh. I have a passport, you know, regardless of what happens. And there's just little yeah. things. But more than anything, when I got that Mexican passport, I was like, soy Mexican. Like, I, I really am. I, I, I have I, I don't just speak the language. It's right. not like when I go to Mexico and, and I usually get that like it is gringa because of the way I look and usually the way I speak. right? And it's like, no, but I am part of this country. I really, really am.
0: So you just felt when, not until you had the passport though, did you feel whole?
1: And it's funny how a piece of document, and and it shouldn't be that way, right? Like if you feel you are- It's in your heart,
0: it's in your soul. Exactly. But there is something about it. It's just a validation. That's all. Feels formal, official, whatever you want to call it. And in this case, look, I worked for it, it took five years took tests. I had to fly over to Spain and sign papers. I had lawyers. It was like no small feat to get this done. And I'm proud of it. I, you know, you feel like, you know, it's like getting an A on a test. I don't know, whatever you feel like this validates everything for whatever reason, you know, of course I felt that way before, but this is like another level. It's amazing. The people I've met, you know, along the way who are just for different reasons, looking to reclaim that side of who they are. And this opened up a lot of doorways the people keep in mind there's only so many places you could go to sort of take these tests and get stuff rubber stamped or whatever so and i live in new york city so people came from all over the world i was meeting to do this a lot from latin america there's a lot of jews in latin america you don't realize it and so it was it was special meeting them too i'll add that hearing their stories and the journeys they've been on with their families and it was it was really special Mm -hmm.
1: So a few fun facts about the Latino and Jewish cultures. Latin America is home to the third largest Jewish community in the world. And today, almost 25% of Latinos have Jewish DNA. As many as 50 million people in Latin America have some Sephardic Jewish ancestry. And the greatest concentration is in Argentina with Brazil and Mexico somewhat distant seconds. And a third tier consists of Venezuela, Chile, Uruguay, and Panama. And of course, the degrees of assimilation or integration varies widely from country to country.
0: I came back from living in Spain. I ended up graduating from Boston University with actually a major in philosophy, not communications. Uh, and Spanish, and uh, took a year to sort of just live and work in Boston. I'm also a musician, so I was playing my guitar. And in, in was the it team. Tequila
1: Mockingbird? Just tell me, because I don't know if I remember. Yeah, that yeah, right. yeah, yeah,
0: <gasps> yeah. I must yes. have told you that. Yeah, yeah, Tequila Mockingbird. My band was Tequila Mockingbird. And then I did a lot of my own stuff. And I, I had a girlfriend at the time, and we were living in Boston. And uh, ultimately, I, when I moved to New York with her, you know, really the first real job I had was at a Hispanic agency called Siboney, Siboney USA. Siboney, for those of you who don't know, are the indigenous people of Cuba much like Tainos are from Puerto Rico. Siboney was founded by a guy named Jose Manuel Cubas, who was my mentor. And he came here, as he liked to say, with $5 in a briefcase and built an empire. And that started me on my, my journey in Hispanic advertising. I had no idea that such an industry existed and I had taken a class at BU and I was just absolutely enthralled with all things advertising. And I thought, okay, I like this. Clearly I'm, I'm into the advertising game. How do I marry this with my love of all things, Spanish, Hispanic, Latino, et cetera. And that's how I discovered this industry. And I thought, okay, those are my two passion points. Let's do it. And I worked at Cibonet for about seven years. I think it was before I ultimately um, left there in late 1999 to start my first company. I became an entrepreneur and haven't looked back since. This is, you know, for the last 20 or so years, I've been doing my own thing also exclusively in you know, the Latinx uh, media marketing and entertainment space. So it's all I've ever done. Interestingly, straight out of college. So follow your heart, follow your soul, all that stuff definitely rings true for me.
1: The more I've been in the Latinx marketing ad space, the more in love I fall with it. And the more I'm like, wait, being Latino is a superpower and knowing this culture to this level is a superpower. And I love talking to people about how they've yeah been able to marry their heritage, their culture, who they are. I
0: followed what I was passionate
1: about. It just so happens that the Latino community
0: is the fastest growing demographic and the youngest and trillions in spending power and all the things that you know that make it actually a a lucrative audience to to speak with. I just did it because I thought it was cool, Spanish, and be around Latinos, Spaniards, whatever, you know, mixture of everybody. And that's always sort of been my why and my guidepost. I love it. Just love what I do, love the people, love all of it. And now I have a passport. <laughs> favorite book. Andrea, what's it called? I saw you, I was just on your Instagram. That's what I saw, I was like, oh, we both read uh, that.
1: Give me two seconds, I'm just gonna check on my Instagram. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to find out David's favorite book, check check Andrea's Instagram. The Ride of a Lifetime. It is a good book. The Ride of a Lifetime. See, that's sort of what I was talking about. It's very similar in that he just followed his passion the whole way through. And I just told you about my ride of a lifetime. Truly, I was like, wow, obviously different, different industry, but different why. But it really, really impacted me. I like reading, you know, nonfiction books like that. I love them. And Bob Iger's like an idol of mine. I met him once. So that was, that's what I'll go with. A ride of a lifetime.
1: When I read that book, it inspired me to do the same where like, cause I, I'm a planner, right? I'm I'm a yeah, I like making lists, to-do lists. I have like a five, 10 year plan in my mind, whatever. And when I read that book, yeah. it impacted me so much to the point where I stopped envisioning stuff like that. I was just like, I'm just going to chase the things I love doing and yeah. then see where that takes me because. His journey was very much about that. It was like, well, I'm doing this thing I love now. And then suddenly you fall into an opportunity simply because you were doing a good
0: job. This is what I'm saying. Andrea, I'm gonna gonna blow your mind a little bit. I I have a tattoo, I don't know if you can see it. It's hard to see. It says vision over visibility, right? First one is balance. So that's exactly what you're saying. You have a vision, you know your why, and the why, you know, sometimes it changes a little. But the visibility into where you're going or the exact path, I'm a planner like you, A plus B equals C, it doesn't always go in that right order. But the vision beyond the visibility of the actual path you're taking is what is really your guidepost. You can't control everything. Control the controllables, right? As I like to say, that has been my life's map. And so, right, I related to that from that book. I follow that and to the point where I put a little reminder <laughs> right there for me to look at. I'm realizing this is the speed round and I've spent 10 minutes on the first question. I'm sorry. This <laughs> was the worst speed round ever. I just blew it. <laughs>
1: it's just that was such a good book. Okay, anyways, let's move so on good. from the, the so book.
0: Good. Question 2. Let's go. Favorite
1: singer. Bono. The first thing you do in the morning. Sadly, I grab my phone.
0: That is not a good answer. Before I get out of bed, I grab my phone. But who doesn't?
1: It's a truthful one, is what I was gonna say. I so wish I, everyone I wish it was that. true.
0: I wish it was <laughs> untrue, but I do. I do. That is the first thing I do in the morning.
1: Hidden talent.
0: I play guitar. I'm not a guitar player. I do play guitar and I sing as I told you about my band earlier. So not everyone knows I'm a musician.
1: Okay. So quality you look for in your friends. Trust and
0: accountability.
1: Quality you look for in your business partners.
0: Trust and accountability
1: superpower you wish you had
0: i don't know i'd want to be able to heal the world i want to spread love and good health and healing everywhere
1: so what other career would you have chosen if it weren't this one
0: definitely musician
1: yeah that's what i thought too yeah one thing you wish you knew at the beginning of your career
0: you have to be patient and good things will come if you could keep doing good work Follow your heart, follow your truth, follow who you you, you are and what, what feels right to you. And be, be true to that no matter what, not just in your day-to-day life, but in your, your work life and you know, every aspect of who you are. For me, it's led me on an incredible journey. Uh, that has impacted every aspect of my life. Since that decision I made to go and live in Spain, it really, really changed the whole trajectory of my life. Following that truth and that passion point has been an unbelievable journey for me. That would be my wish for everybody else. Hopefully you could find what that is for yourself and follow it. It's gonna lead you to good places. I know it did for me.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode with David. I encourage you to check out NGL Collective and all the amazing things they're doing. You can find a link to some other stuff in the description of this episode, including Hispanicize. Remember to support us on Latinx by rating this podcast on Apple Podcasts. As you know, this will help us continue to work on the show and bring on guests who inspire and motivate you. This is Latin I'm your host, Andrea Marquez. Thank you for listening.